The following is a production by Cutting to the Chase Podcast. And in his stead, it'll be Matt Duffy who recovers like all-star form. This is the stuff that you know we joke about the Cardinals having this like yep. devil magic. And you're like, where are they getting these? These are fake made up people. Right. You just created a guy in the show. Welcome to the Cutting to the Chase podcast. It is Sunday, June 13. Today, I am chatting with Evan Altman of Cubs Insider. Let's get into it. Evan Altman, editor-in-chief of Cubs Insider and Bears Insider, co-host of The Rant. How are you doing so far today? I'm doing pretty well. It's uh, it's not that hot yet, so I don't have to go outside and do anything until later. And uh, I guess it's going to be a little bit cooler. So it's definitely baseball weather, uh, which is cool. But, uh, well, it's absolutely not cool, yeah. <laughs> actually. And it's uh, it, it looks really great until you go out there. And then you're like, ah. Oh. 90 in the sun all afternoon isn't a great idea but you know what if you can do it at wrigley with a beer uh and forty thousand of your closest friends it's actually pretty fun which i haven't done yet but um it's the first time in my life i think i can say i'm actually looking forward to crowds and lines know, right? and that sort of thing so it's yeah it's super weird i was at a south bend cubs game and i was like i had to wait in line to uh to like get a, a pork tenderloin or something like that i was like this is the best line I've ever waited. This is awesome. I actually enjoy this. So it was a little bit weird, but I got used to it quickly. I feel that. I was, I'm was. i in Virginia. So first off, with the weather, it's usually hot around this time of year. And it's going to be warm again today. But yesterday, it was kind of cold. I mean, it was 70, so that's not cold. But after being in the 90s or 80s, it felt kind of weird. And then I was at a Flying Squirrels game here in Richmond uh, about, I think, two weeks ago now. And I felt the same way. I was like, this is great having people around me, even though it was kind of weird being like in the store and having people really close to me. But I was like, I'll take this if we're back to normal a little bit. So I totally feel you on that. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it, it was it was neat, right? It was yeah. our first day there of being full capacity. But I think the thing that you can tell and, uh, you know, and I, I don't I'm not watching a lot of other games necessarily feel but but Wrigley's a different place. Uh, and, and I'm a little bit biased, obviously, but just to, to listen to it on the radio even. So when we were driving up to South Bend, it took about three hours to get like the, the game. The Cubs game essentially carried us the entire way through. So just listening to it on the radio is an entirely different experience when there are fans there in the ballpark, when the Cubs are coming back and, and you, you're hearing all this. energy. It's, it's super cool. And you, you, you kind of, we missed it last year, but you really forget what that's like. And then to hear it again, or, you know, again, so as I'm looking at your screen, I know if you're listening to the podcast, you can't see. I can see the Jeff Gordon mm -hmm. uh, deal back there. It's not NASCAR, but the Indy 500 yep. having, you know, 135,000 fans here watching that and seeing the crowd be able to react. And, we, you know, Elio Castroneves wins his fourth. He's climbing up there. and It was like I almost was moved to tears, to be quite honest. Not, you know, because Elio is pretty cool, but the whole moment, like everything, having fans there is such a different deal. And so, again, uh, the Cubs going for the sweep in front of a full house at Wrigley for the first time in, you know, a year and a half <laughs> yeah. is, is just, that's it's too cool. You cannot write a better script. So 
Um, hopefully everything continues to go well. And then we forget what the, you know, we can all look back on this and be like, man, remember how wild that was in 2020? We didn't have fans and, uh, and we can just move back to it. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about that last night. I had a tweet and I was like, I can't, I, you know, I was like, it was cool that we had baseball last year, I guess, but it was weird with no fans. And it's like, can you even imagine going back to empty stadiums? I mean, it's one of those, baseball was one of those sports for me where it looks weird on TV without fans. You know, you can kind of forget about it in hockey or football. And I know they had the fake crowd soundtrack, but having those empty seats and then having a full stadium, even when it wasn't full, you know, earlier in the year, it, it just looked good having people and hearing people in the background again. Yeah. And, and you know, it was funny. It was uh, uh, when listening to the radio broadcast and, and you could tell. So a minor league game is a little bit different. There's not as many people and and, yeah. you know, you can get right up front or whatever and you can hear everything there. But th- in those major league games, Ron Coomer was talking about it in the game. Um, you know, I think it was a, the Jock Peterson homer. And he said, you know, something that, uh, you know, one of the weirdest things about last year was that you would they'd hit a home run in the bleachers and you'd hear the ball banging around in the bleachers and yeah. knocking off all that stuff. You know, and that's they can pump in all the fake noise they want, whatever. But then something like that, to me, that's like it's super depressing at that point because it's just banging around in the emptiness. Yeah, right. Yeah. You're like you're hearing stuff that you normally never would. And that's not, it's cool to hear the crack of the bat. It's cool to hear the players, you know, that's why they had to run the thing ahead of time. Like, uh, you're, you're, you're going to hear some, some language that maybe yeah, right, normally, right. Because the players are upset. That, that part was like kind of fun yeah. in a novelty way. Yeah. But then it's like, oh, here's this lonely home run ball <laughs> bouncing around with no one to collect it, you know? And it's yeah. like, okay, I, I really enjoy not hearing that. Yeah. And instead you've just got this crowd rising to its feet and cheering uh, the whole thing. So that it's it's just been so neat and and i was i was kind of talking to my wife and kids and trying to explain this about that i don't think they understand it or they don't feel it the same way i do but there's a romanticism to baseball for me that is different from other sports and to have that back is really i mean i can't i don't say enjoyable or fun those words don't really encompass it properly but it's just it's different. And I am so, so thankful for that. And for those folks who have been able to get out there, it's awesome. And and it, it makes you appreciate as bad as 2020 sucked. It really does make you appreciate what we've got back now, which is uh, I think if we if we had to go through that, I, I, I wish we didn't have to. But if there are some things that maybe we can better appreciate moving forward. Um, you know, hey, at least there's something good that came out of it. Yeah, right, exactly. And yeah, you know, that Wrigley Field vibe, uh, ambiance, just that entire, yeah, like I said, a vibe. You know, it was so fun just watching last night on TV. Uh, just, it's awesome that the team is playing well. And before we get kind of into the team itself, I was actually curious with you and Cubs Insider and even Bears Insider, I was curious, how did you kind of get started with those platforms and they've really taken off, especially Cubs insider, how that came about for you. And you're obviously having a ton of success with it now. Yeah. So it, um, it was kind of a weird deal. Uh, and I want to say this was maybe 2010 or 11. Um, Yahoo used to have this thing called the, the Yahoo contributor network, uh, which was sort of, uh, you know, I, I don't know, we could equate it to one of the other blog platforms that's out there, but essentially you could, you, you submit some stuff to them, um, you know, they would say, yeah, okay, we'll let you do this. And you would get, you earn money, uh, you know, per thousand page views or something like that. It was pretty nominal, but, but it allowed people to kind of write about their team and it gave Yahoo some content and, you know, sometimes it would get seen. And so I, I, I for the life of me, can't remember the guy's name now. And I, I probably feel bad for him. Maybe, maybe he knows who I am now. I don't know. But, 
Um, I was like, ah, boy, I really don't like this guy's work. And like, why is, why is this out there in the world? And, uh, and I was like, well, uh, I was raised and I believe that you don't complain about something unless you're willing to offer a solution. And so I said, well, screw this. I'll, I'll start writing for Yahoo. Then I'll see what, see if they'll take me on. And they, and they did. And then eventually like, once you do enough, then they let you. So I started writing about the bears and about uh, Notre Dame football at the time. And shortly thereafter though, Yahoo was like, Hey, we're shutting this platform down. And so I kind of put the word out. Um, there's a guy named uh, Tom Loxus and he's still out there on, on Twitter and stuff uh, who was like, Hey, I'm trying to start up this deal. And so, so he and I started cranking this stuff up and we we're under the Chicago now network, which was owned by the tribune at the time. And it was, it was pretty simple, but it, again, another aggregated blog platform. And, uh, and, and Tom had some job changes, wasn't really able to keep up with it. I was like, cool, I'll, I'll soldier forward. And we had, we had moved off on our own at that point, which is a much more difficult thing, uh, at the time when you have no experience with anything. Yeah. And then, um, I was heading out to Cleveland for game one of the world series. So, you know, we fast forward a little bit and the, and the blog had been, it'd been chugging along quite nicely, but then uh, a guy by the name of, of John Ferlice, who now goes by John Strong. I don't, I, I just doxed him. I'm sorry. Uh, sorry, John. But um, he was like, Hey, I've got, he had a website called Cubs Kingdom. He's like, Hey, I'm going to be out in Cleveland. Anybody else want to hang out? So we ended up just hooking up, hanging out, having a few beers, having a few drinks, watching the Cubs. And we're like, Hey, why don't we just combine forces? So he's like the business side of it. And if anybody out there is, is, uh, you know, you're trying to get the thing off the ground, like I'm the, editorial side he's the business side of the house and it made a tremendous difference with our growth and with those opportunities to have someone who has that sort of a mindset who can go out and find partnerships or or you know operate the website and then just allowed me to focus on writing and, and editing and that sort of stuff so uh from that point that's where it really took off and uh and it's been super super cool to see that and and there are uh you know it's it's neat that uh Again, uh, page views are up, revenues are up, things like that. Like, that's fun, but it's uh, – and sometimes I forget, like, it's I'm not putting this out there and having five or six people read it. Like, a lot of people are, are looking at this, and there's just some neat stuff that I'll, I'll run into someone who said, uh, you know, maybe maybe there's a really good piece that was out there. Or um, I've even had, like, parents of players who have, who have either recognized me at Cubs convention or have reached out to me through back channels or whatever just – thanking me for stuff like that, especially the guys in the minor leagues, because they don't get nearly as much publicity a lot of times. And those guys are working and playing for very little pay in a lot of cases. And so I think uh, for them to be recognized, to get that uh, is really cool. So anyway, it, it's been a fun uh, run now. And I mean, we're, you know, gosh, probably about 10 years and uh, kind of going starting out when the Cubs were awful. Yeah. And then being able to see that do what it's done since has uh that that's helped a little bit so i'll give the cubs some credit for for putting together a competitive team because otherwise uh there's not as much interest being generated right so uh yeah that's it in a nutshell yeah that's really cool i really like what you guys are doing over there and you know i follow a bunch of you guys on twitter like greg huss who i've had on sean holland among other people so really really cool what you guys are all doing whether it's podcasts different articles things that are going up so it's been really cool to kind of follow you guys along i know i was there briefly in the past and i was going i i don't know i think i, I remember work was uh I was trying to keep up with work and it just kind of got away from me, but I really had fun while I was there during the brief time that I was writing for you. And actually what I really liked was I thought for me it was good because like, I don't, I don't know about you, but like I didn't have, I don't have any formal writing 
media related background. So I thought it was like a really good challenge for me to really, I was trying to, like in my mind, I was like, I really want to up my game and like bring that kind of quality presence, I guess, to the site, if you know what I mean. So I really liked my my opportunity. I, I was happy that I was able to at least contribute a little bit while I was there. Yeah, I mean that's that's one of the things you know. I think, and and we've had some people who who have kind of bounced in and out, and, and it's it's one of those things which is kind of nice, you know. It's like nobody's uh, nobody's doing this for a for a living who comes to write for us, right? So it's like uh, if there's other stuff that either either gets in the way, or or some people have had, you know, we've got somebody who's writing for us now who uh, lost a job during the pandemic and was just kind of, and then was like, hey, I've got some extra time now. I'd like to reignite this this passion I had for writing, and and can I do that? And you know, that that's been kind of neat. And we have a lot of different voices. We've got, you know, some people who are just more on the highly analytical side. We've got some folks like like you mentioned, Greg and, and Jimmy Nelligan, who operate the Growing Cubs podcast, which to my knowledge is the only podcast out there that's dedicated solely yeah. to the Cubs farm system, which is super cool. And to have somebody who's passionate about that. So what I guess at the end of the day, what I'm saying is what I like is we don't have anybody who's writing for us or doing this, who's doing it just to try to collect a check, right? Who's who's doing it because they have to. Everybody there is passionate about what they do and they and and we allow that voice to come through, which is kind of my favorite part because if you stick around for long enough and read it like I could even if it's a game recap, I could generally look at it even if I didn't know who submitted it and be like, "Oh, okay, this is pro- this was Sean, this was Ryan, this was Bill, you know, whatever because I just I I get to know that style a little bit. And, uh, and that's really fun is, is just kind of letting people do what they, you know, Hey, we're getting to write about baseball. You know what I mean? And, uh, and you get that opportunity. So, uh, for me to be able to facilitate that in some sense is, uh, that that's pretty cool too. That's probably my favorite part of it. And I mean, I love the writing. I love digging into weird, quirky stuff and finding an odd stat here or there, but more than anything, I, I just think it's neat to kind of have this like community network of people who have either written for us who read our work who listen to the podcast whatever and and you can sort of establish like a an impromptu friendship out of that that then when you meet that person they already kind of know who you are because they've been reading you and they've learned a little bit about who you are as that and so uh you know you don't have to uh you don't have to kind of I guess there's always awkwardness when we meet in person sometimes but you kind of have all these friends right. that you've made along the way without actually having met them, which to me is probably the best part of the whole thing. That's true. It's it's kind of like with Twitter. As bad as Twitter can be, it is nice networking and communicating with people. And I feel like I know so many people that I've really never met. So I, I definitely get that too. So moving to the Cubs on the field, they're playing real well. Really, they're fun again. Uh, did you ever expect this type of a season that they're having currently? Or were you kind of... I think a lot of us were kind of unsure what to expect, but I don't think we really quite expected this kind of uh, season to this point. No, and I, I, although I think, you know, if we if we looked at it, if you didn't know what had happened, if you had no context, you just looked at the record, um, I, that in and of itself doesn't necessarily surprise me. What surprised me is they were so bad in April. I mean, they were bad last place. They went into May and last, like five games out. And what they've done in May and June is the type of play that we saw from them in, you know, latter half of 2015 and then through most of 2016. I mean, they're just a a solid team winning in different ways, getting contributions from everyone, you know, hitting home runs, but also putting themselves in position to win with singles and stolen bases and just making things happen and then the shutdown bullpen. So the way they're doing it 
is what's surprising to me. I I thought they'd be a pretty good team. I thought they were capable of, of winning uh, 90 or more games and winning the division. Honestly, I mean, that's that's what I had kind of predicted early on because I just thought the, the talent has been there this whole time. It's just they weren't doing it right. But no, if you if you said, hey, they're going to go out there and, and after being, you know, whatever they were, six games under or something like that, and now they're 10 games over from a 19-win May that included sweeps over good teams, right? I mean, sweeping the Dodgers, sweeping the Mets, sweeping the Padres, um, and then taking two out of three from the Padres in San Diego, where, you know, realistically over the last month and a half, their only stumble was those games in San Francisco. And even those, you look at, man, maybe a couple breaks here or there go a little differently. But, um, and, and to, I guess the other thing is in the past, even those best Cubs teams, and I know Schwarber got hurt that, you know, third game of 2016, and that was a big loss, but that's one loss. They've had so many injuries, and it seems like everybody who comes up, it, it doesn't matter who it is. You know, Jake Marisnik, nobody thought anything of him. He comes in, he's awesome. Okay, he gets hurt. Great, well, we'll just move Chris Bryant to the outfield for a month right, and a half. Yeah. And in his stead, it'll be Matt Duffy who recovers like all-star form. And then Matt Duffy goes down and, oh, here's Patrick Wisdom, and he's going to set a home run record during 10 games. Like, it's this is the stuff that, you know, we joke about the Cardinals having this, like, yep. devil magic. And, you know, they call up uh, Jeremy Hazelbaker, and all of a sudden he becomes an all-star, and, or, or it plays like one at least. And you're like, where are they getting these? These are fake made up people. Right. You just created a guy in the show and, and you know, magic him out of the lab. What are you doing? And but the Cubs are doing that. They're getting rookie pitchers who are doing well. Like, where where is this happening? So how they're doing it, this is a long way around your answer, but uh what they have done on paper, not surprising. How they've gotten there, very surprising. Yeah, exactly. You know, and going into this season, I kept thinking maybe they win. Like, I kept thinking 85, give or take, maybe more. And you were saying 90. And I was like, yeah, I could see that if, if everything kind of goes their way. I thought, you know, I like Hendricks. I liked what Zach Davies might do. I liked I, – I really wanted to see Adbert Alzali blossom, and he has. And hopefully he comes back soon and is good to go. But, uh, you know – the offense seems to have finally figured it out again. And I know obviously a healthy Chris Bryant goes a, a huge long way. Uh, we've seen, like you said, big at bats out of guys like Duffy and wisdom. And like you said, everybody has come up and has just kept, kept that line moving. Basically, maybe you have something more specific to point out with the offense, but is it just everybody is just, and you know, Jock Peterson has been huge too after a slow start, do you think that it's finally just these guys have just, they're healthy or they're just, is there like a chip on their shoulder or is it just everything is coming back to, to work out again or mechanically different or anything like that, that maybe the offense is finally looking like we used to, we always kept waiting for the offense to turn around and come back. And it seems like for now, at least that that's kind of happened. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a few things to it. And, and I do, I, I think there's, a more of a contact based approach has, has really helped. I mean, they, they, you know, they're certainly not uh, a team that's going to lead the league in terms of the best strikeout percentage. You know, they're still, they're still going to take their strikeouts uh, and they're, they're not even walking as often as maybe what you'd expect either. And, and as I'm looking at it, just to, to confirm it, they're, you know, they're middle of the pack, a little, little toward the bottom. When you look at strikeout, like the, the bottom, or the top half of the bottom, however you want to put it, right? They're like 13th in the league in terms of highest strikeout percentage. And then, you know, in terms of walks, you look at it, and they're not they're not great. Uh, they're, again, they're the lower 
third or so of the league. So if you look at numbers like that, you don't think much, but it it feels like, and I, I think the difference, what it looked like as you watched it in April was that every individual player felt like he needed to win the game on that at bat. Um, you know, you're down, you're down four. Well, I'm going to hit a five run Homer with nobody on base. Like, ah, that's not really going to work. You know, uh, we saw it with Javi Baez early where it just, he was swinging out of his shoes and missing fastballs down the middle. That's not what Javi Baez does. He, he's not going to miss a mistake fastball, but he was. And what we've seen then I think is this is, and, and even Anthony Rizzo, you know, the power hasn't been there completely, but uh, the average started coming back in, in May, and you saw a lot of them. And that's, again, that's where they were successful. They used to be a team that would grind you down. And that didn't necessarily mean taking walks, but it would be like uh, Rizzo's at bat the other day and just fouling off, fouling off, fouling off, and frustrating the pitcher so bad that he leaves one up there for him, and he knocks it out of the park. They're doing the right things. They're just putting together this solid approach. And I, I think that goes back to David Ross early on, you know, not just abandoning these guys, abandoning them, but at the same time, he was showing a willingness to move them around in the order a little bit. Javi gets moved down uh, early on, you know, when he was really struggling, got moved down for, for a bit and then back up. And you saw, you know, Jock Peterson got moved around a little bit. Ian Happ got moved out of the leadoff spot, and that's where he had started out. But now you're seeing this kind of, hey, if it's a lefty on the mound, Wilson Contreras leading off. If it's a righty, it's Jock Peterson. And going more situational, with I, I think and and you know again I don't want to uh, turn this into a diatribe against Joe Madden, for whom I I don't really have much love lost to be quite honest I respect the man for what he did I thought he overstayed his welcome by a year mm, but that's fair we we saw some weird things there was like oh I'm going to take the struggling guy and put him at leadoff and he would specifically say that you know or he would stick with uh, when Jason Hayward where there was that experiment it was like okay this clearly is not working. And let's not wait two extra weeks to make this move. True. And it and it feels like Ross is kind of has the pulse on there. And, and I think he's much more willing for as much as Madden seemed like a player's coach. He was also pretty hard headed. And it really looks like Ross is putting guys in positions to succeed individually. And and if, if they got the hot hand, we're going to ride that hot hand. And, and if they're getting cool, we're going to move them into a spot. Maybe they get a mental day off and then we're going to come back in another. So. I just think it's really helpful, and these guys look like they're having fun. Yeah. And I know a lot of people probably don't like to hear that, and it's not about chemistry and whatever. It's about how good it But I'm telling you, it, they they look – we talked about April versus May. They they didn't look like they were having fun in April, and and now they do. And it's like, hey, that's that's contagious, and that, that helps you. I don't care. I love all the metrics. I am a giant numbers nerd, but – if you get to a point in any sport, and I think baseball is one of them in particular, where everything else is equal and both teams are on a completely level playing field, you need to find every possible advantage you can. And if those guys are loose and they're having fun and they respect one another and the manager, that is just that tiny little advantage that you might need that'll help get you over. So I, I think that's a huge key, to be quite honest. Oh, yeah, I agree for sure. I mean, even just taking it to like, our daily jobs if you're having fun or you're loose you're going to perform better too i would think too so i think you're right i think the fun and like you, you said uh ross has that pulse on the team and that's kind of how i felt going back to you know like we said 15 16 it was fun it was loose it felt like players were 
in situations to succeed. And I, I, I do like the versatility and, you know, Chris Bryant can play almost pretty much any position. Were you surprised by how often he's been in the outfield? I know he can play the outfield pretty well, but were you surprised that before yesterday he hadn't played or started at third base since what, April 20th, I believe. So did you think that was more because of the way guys were hitting and they wanted to make sure they had a guy like wisdom or Duffy at third base or, do you think that was also to protect Bryant from a health perspective or just they can do it? It works. Keep rolling with it. Yeah. I mean, I, I wasn't surprised that he he got some run out there to begin because uh, that was another thing Ross had mentioned. And, and of course, it's one of those where a lot of people kind of held their breath because Bryant got hurt. I mean, he got an impact fracture in his wrist, tore some ligaments in his in his ring finger last year, playing left field, diving for a ball. Um, and so a lot of people are like, oh, I don't know. Do we play it? But Again, that's a freakish thing. It probably shouldn't ever happen again. But, um, you know, and, and Ross talked about that a little bit. Like, hey, yeah, he'll play out there if we need him to. But then what happened? You know, you saw Ian Happ get hurt. And you saw uh, Jake Marisnik then get hurt. And and eventually we saw um, Jason Hayward get hurt. You know, and, and Jock Peterson was on the I So, like, everybody out there in the outfield has spent some time on the IL. So, part of that was out of necessity. Then you're going, well, hey, Bryant could play all these positions. You know, multiple starts at all three outfield. Even when when Rizzo had to step back, he's starting over at first, and it helped to be able to do that because you know, as I mentioned earlier, it's like you, well, you have Matt Duffy come up and all of a sudden just start hitting everything in sight, and then he goes down and Patrick Wisdom comes up. So part of that is when you have someone, and I, I joke about this uh, when I say you know Nolan Arenado could never, uh, but and and they're, well, he's an elite defensive. Well, actually, he's near the bottom of the league and uh, outs above average. But uh, that's neither here nor there. Uh, but you you couldn't move him around, nor would you really want to. And I understand that. But to have someone who can move around and say, "Oh, this guy's hurt. Hey, KB, uh, we need you in right for a week." Okay, cool. Oh, now this guy's back, but uh, this other guy's got some issues. Now we need you to start in center for a while. Okay, cool. Oh, hey, Rizzo's got to step back. Um, can you take over at, at first for a minute? Oh, and by the way, now we got to move somebody else in there. So. Uh, he's going to take over at first. We're going to move you back out to center for the last two innings. Cool. I'm good. And to do that while having an MVP level bat, right? Because he's hitting better than he has in any previous season. While he's and, and I, you know, he talked about that back in 2016 when he talked about and he talked about it this year too. But being kind of that little league feel and getting all over the place and, and just just playing and being loose and having fun and just knowing like, hey, put my name in the lineup. Whatever position you put next to me, I'm cool. I'll go handle it. And and he's just again, I can't imagine why anyone would not want someone like that on their team, would not be willing to just back up the truck, say, what do you want? Give us a blank check. We'll put a bunch of zeros after after whatever number and and let's go, because it's rare to me uh, or it seems rare, at least basketball is one thing. You get a good point guard or you get, you know, a great player who can make other people around him better. You know, a great quarterback take uh, Tom Brady. Right, goes to the goes to Tampa Bay, and all of a sudden they, they win a Super Bowl because he just and, and a lot of that is the confidence that comes from knowing like okay, you know TB twelve he knows everything he's he's the best quarterback ever we're going to be better just because of him and and I think Chris Bryant's one of those guys where like you know you can put him anywhere and then just work the other eight positions out around him and you're good and then he's going to hit in the middle of that lineup and there you go so he he truly does make players around him better because of what he's able to do. If he's not that versatile, the Cubs don't have this uh, contribution from Patrick Wisdom. They don't have anything from Matt Duffy. They can't. Uh, they might have to go out and make other moves to bring in an outfielder 
or to bring a guy up who's maybe not ready for that position. So um, I'm not surprised by the fact that he's out there. I'm surprised by how long he's been out there. And that is simply because the guys who have come up have done so well. So um, again, long answer, but uh, it's, it's been really, that's been great to see because that's, Honestly, that's probably the key to what's happened uh, this season is him being able to play all over. Yeah, that's a great answer. And, you know, going forward into this season, it sounds like the Cubs are definitely buyers. We kept, you know, we know the whole situation with the, the what they say about the money and all that. But as far as the trade deadline, who would you target? And I think starting pitching is probably the first answer, I'm assuming. But uh as far as really any player, though, any position that you're thinking, who would you target if you could at the trade deadline as far as help this team down the stretch and into the playoffs, assuming, of course, everything keeps rolling along as it has been? Yeah, I mean, I think starting pitching is is the key. I know there's probably some some folks who have taken a better look at it than uh, than what I have and because I, I haven't really dug in too well, although I did see, uh, you know, one name uh, – an example of a name. So not that the Cubs will go get Garrett Cole, but when, when he was traded from the pirates to the Astros, you know, that was kind of one of those deals that they jumped the market a little bit. They got this guy who was on a, you know, on an awful team that wasn't going to end up being able to pay him in free agency and, and needed to, And of course they're still needing to rebuild, you know, years later, uh, the pirates are still a terrible team. But if you can find a guy like that, who, uh, you know, because a lot of times, like I know people are looking at big name brands like Max Scherzer, yep. you know, people are looking at that. But the Nats aren't just going to let him go for a couple of, you know, I mean, what team trades an ace for a, a couple of teenagers? Right. Wait, Ron, don't answer that. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but but which is which is actually the ironic thing, right, is that um, and I and I, I the Cubs, I'm, I'm not going to get into the whole thing, but uh, the more that the Cubs may have to give up more value to get someone at the deadline than they got for an ace with control and a backup catcher that they traded, uh, you know, prior to the season, which would be the weirdest thing in the world. Um, but at the <laughs> things have changed. I don't believe they thought themselves that they would be in this position. Uh, but if you go, go out and get a starting pitcher or maybe two, because right now as we're looking at it and we'll see, we're recording this on Sunday, Zach Davies is going to pitch. He's looked a lot better over the last month or so. But right now, as you mentioned, you know, Adbert Alzelay is on the aisle with uh, with the blister issue. Jake Arrieta has been up and down. Kyle Hendricks has been much, much better lately, but he's still getting given up one to three home runs every game, a lot of times multiple, in the same inning. You know, and thankfully he doesn't walk anybody. But then, you know, you look at Davies, again, same thing. He's not been himself uh, lately, although he's coming off a great start. So maybe they put that all together, but – I don't think you could look at the Cubs' top three and say, I feel really confident in them going into a playoff series with these three starters and being able to hang with whomever they have. You know, So I think you go out and you get somebody. They don't have to be a number one, right? But you've got to get like that two or three for sure because, again, as good as Alzali has been, he is untested over the course of an entire season putting up a bunch of innings, and then you're going to expect him to go into the playoffs and shove. That is – you're, you're climbing out on kind of a thin branch at that point. So uh, if, if you go get some of those guys and I think, you know, they've got some, they've got some players in the, in the minors who can maybe come up and help in the staff, but outfield is maybe another spot. Uh, if Jason Hayward continues to struggle with the bat, the way he has, you know, I would like to see them be able to get a little bit more thunder from that left side. You know, Peterson coming around is good, but uh, there again, if you've got Peterson, Hap, 
and Hayward across the outfield, you've got three lefty bats. What maybe find maybe righty thunder is what I really should be talking about. You know, maybe they can get somebody who can go out there and slug against lefties. I would like to see that actually. If I if if such a thing exists out there, we've uh, Jose Martinez, uh, notwithstanding that that doesn't always work out. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, talking about, like, the starting pitchers, like you were saying, I was looking at it briefly last night. Now, I, I wasn't even thinking, or I wasn't really looking even at the potential starters who might still have control left that could be available. So there might be more. I'm sure there are way more than I was even realizing, at least as of last night. But, yeah, just looking at the free agent, upcoming free agent class real fast. And, of course, I knew Max Scherzer, as unrealistic as that is, even of the Nats. So, like you said, I don't think, well, I don't expect the Cubs would even... I don't even know who they would offer in something like that. But even if the Cubs, like you said, I think if they can get a starter, especially if he has control a year left or whatever the case may be, that can only help them too in terms of not just this year and see how far they can go, but especially next year. And, you know, even Keegan Thompson has been really surprising. Do you think he could fit into the rotation or is it more or less better for him in this role that he's kind of in right now out of the pen and, you know, doing because he's not really tested, obviously. So it's not like I would say, okay, he could just go into the rotation and be that guy in the playoffs. But he's been really good too, if, at least in the situations that we've seen him in. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's one of them where and we see this with a lot of other teams. We haven't seen as much with the Cubs, where they will bring a guy in to a bullpen role initially to get his feet wet, to kind of understand the league a little bit, and and let him build up some innings in the majors without actually being a starter yet. And, and you know, Alzali himself, he, he bounced around a little bit early. And he was supposed to do that this year, but he's really kind of established himself better. I think Thompson's a guy we see in the future. You know, really what the Cubs want, what they've wanted for the last several years, is to be able to establish that pipeline to get some starting pitchers in, you know, who they're only paying league minimum to. Uh, and, and that's what's really hurt them. When you talk about these extensions is because they've had to keep paying premiums for pitching, and and I you know I didn't really mean to be that alliterative, but uh, it's one of those issues where hey, if you're paying uh, for John Lester and you Darvish and you give an extension to Kyle Hendricks, now all of a sudden you've got you know how many hundreds of millions in three starters, and obviously Lester's off the books now, and and Darvish is largely off the books. So if they can swing that into getting whether it's Thompson. You get some other guys to come up if Braylon Marquez ever ever figures it out and and makes it up. You got some other guys coming. Well, now if you got three starters who are combining to only make two million dollars a year or so, well, gosh, that that makes an extension or two much more palatable because now the scales balance a lot more on the payroll side. So I think, you know, as you mentioned, if they can get somebody with control who they know what that salary level is, it's going to help them to set that budget that much more because they they really can't they can afford. But if they want to keep some of their position players around, they can't go out there and spend a premium on two more free agent starters that are at the top of the market. They need to find some of these guys who they can bring up and then have for three, four, five years to whom they're paying uh, much lower salaries. And that, that's just you see that with any team. Right. But it balances out. They had cheap hitters and they had expensive pitchers. That's great. That works. But then five years later, you've still got expensive pitchers. But now those hitters are expensive as well. And so you kind of get yourself stuck. And that's uh, we're, we're finally seeing those tables turn a little bit. And, and hopefully that continues. Perfect segue, because I was going to ask you, who do you feel most confident about this team being able to keep long term in terms, of course, Brian, Rizzo, Baez, uh, even I know Contreras still has control, but I'll even throw him in that group. Who do you feel that this team 
definitely keeps or uh, do you think they might somehow be able to keep all of them long term? I mean, Rizzo feels like the most likely just because his price tag is going to be significantly lower than the others. Right. He, he's older. Um, he, his market is not going to be. And, and we're seeing, you know, again, the, the production is still going to be solid. But I don't think this is a guy for, for as consistent as he was for so long. Uh, you know, I don't know who else out there is going to all of a sudden roll up and say, oh, here's $150 million. Right, right? Yeah. I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. Um, you know, what Goldschmidt level, I think you're looking at maybe nine figures, right? Maybe that's where it gets. The Cubs weren't even close to that. But I, I think $100 million is probably the, the cap at the most that we're looking at, there, depending on the number of years. But he also he's done so much philanthropic work in the city. Uh, they're they're tied to him so strongly with him having come in when the when the Cubs were at their lowest. You know, he's the guy that Theo and Jed brought in from both the Red Sox and the Padres organizations. Right. They had both traded uh, for or traded him away and then to bring him back in. So that's the most likely to me. I think, um, you know, if you look at, in my opinion, the one they should most target is Bryant simply because of what he brings to the table. He's the most consistent and dynamic. And I do think unlike, you know, again, I've, I've, I know a lot of people believe the injuries will pile up and whatever, but I really think he's the one who, who could get in and, and I'd love to see the two of them, but uh, Baez, I think that's really difficult right now. However, if he comes down off, we heard that he maybe turned down about 180 million, which, uh, and that was prior to last season, which I'm sure he, if true, he's probably kicking himself a little bit for, but it's a really crowded shortstop market, and I'm just not sure what he's going to be able to command. And, and I do think he's one of those. I think he he carries a lot of cachet, though. I think he is the kind of guy who Rizzo might be able to put butts in seats in Miami and might be interested in going down there to be home, if you will. Javi is one who I think does because of the personality, because of the flair, could perhaps command a bit more of a premium because any team could get him and people will buy tickets to watch Javi Baez play right flat out. And and so I think that's a possibility that, that the Cubs need to take under consideration. And they, you know, maybe that means they need to pony up more, but, uh, and then, you know, Contreras is, is in there too, but uh, that's an interesting situation just with Miguel Amaya coming up. Um, but if they were going to move any of these guys, they would have had to have done it already because every day that goes by, you're losing value on them. And if you don't move Contreras in last off season, I don't know how they move him now. I, I just, I don't think they're in a very good position. I know they're not in a very good position, but um, either to sign any of these guys or to trading them for any real value. So um, I, I could see him keeping two out of that group of four. I think three is is a real stretch and four is probably impossible. Yeah. Do you worry about the Boris factor with Bryant or do you think, hey, he's, he's talked about how much he likes being in Chicago, wants to stay. He's like, I think he said in the past, Boris works for him. It's not the other way around. So do you worry about that Boris factor? I don't. Um, you know, I, I think we've seen for for as much as Scott Boris is, a, you know, he's got a lot of bluster and, and bombast, you know, uh, and he talks a big game and, and he obviously gets big giant salaries for his clients. I mean, we, we've seen that with whether it be uh, Bryce Harper or I believe Garrett Cole is one of his clients as well. Uh, you know, I mean, we saw Jake Arrieta leave town, partially Jake Arrieta is a, a Boris client, but we also saw Arrieta come back and actually take a little bit less money from the Cubs than what he could have. We saw Steven Strasburg, to me, is and I've comped him to Bryant's situation before, too, because he he had the Tommy John surgery. There were some injuries there. He signed a big extension with the uh, the Nationals, 
ended up opting out and still re-signing with them. So uh, he signed prior to the expiration of his deal, and there were some injury issues there. Well, let's look at Chris Bryant, young phenom, top draft pick, had some injuries. Uh, he hasn't done an extension yet, but I think that is possible. Although then, interestingly enough, bring it full circle, the Strasburg extension is partially what precipitated Jake Arrieta leaving town because he wanted that kind of money. Um, we, we've seen that uh, it was a good idea not to give him that kind of money. But um, no, I don't, I don't worry about it. I think Bryant's one of those guys where, again, he's, he means what he says. And, and I truly believe he would actually remain in Chicago for less money than he would probably be able to make on the free agent market. Uh, that doesn't mean that he's going to, you know, sign for $50 million or something like that, or that he's going to take, you know, a hundred million dollar discount. But I think he likes it there. He enjoys the continuity. He loves his teammates and the team. And despite some of what people say, Oh, he's mad at, he's not mad at the team. He's mad at the situation. He doesn't like that deal. And he's spoken about that. Yeah. But um, I, 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 to this point, I don't think the Cubs have really come out and, and offered as we've seen with some of the rumored stuff for Rizzo. I don't think they've really come very strong with an offer that would uh, that would keep him from hitting free agency at this point. Yeah. Uh, one of the last things, outside of, uh, like, Craig Kimbrell has been nails this season. I don't know that they would trade him, but basically, if Kimbrell wasn't the closer or something happened to him, who would you put in that closer role, you know, as far as guys maybe that's already in the bullpen or, I don't know. I'm, I'm assuming it would be someone that's already in the pen now, but who would you look at as maybe that future closer? It's, it's hard to look at what Ryan Tapera has done and not give him the role. Uh, lately, I mean, he has just been nails. As you, you know, I don't want to use the same word. Uh, he's, he's been lights out. Let's yeah, do that. Yeah. I don't want to copy. You said Kimber <laughs> was nails. So, uh, you know, uh, Tapera's been a hammer. Uh, I don't know. But no, he, but he's looked really good. Um, you know, and, and I think the key to me is he's not giving up walks. And that's a big thing with Kimbrell as well. So they're just, they're throwing strikes. Um, you, you know, I think. Tommy Nance is another one who's come on again, a rookie, but just really, really good stuff. Big time swing and miss. And that's really, when you look at the Cubs up and down in that bullpen, you know, always the whole time, I mean, they've been talking for years about getting strike throwers who miss bats. Right. And, and for the longest time they had a bunch of dudes who were wild, who gave up too much contact. And so it's it's incredible that all of a sudden, and three of them, and, and Justin Steele is, is yet to come back off the IL, but in Justin Steele, you mentioned Keegan Thompson, now Tommy Nance, you've got three rookies who are all up there with major swing and miss stuff and very good velocity numbers to pair up with some of these veterans who also, and now we're seeing the resurgence from Craig Kimberl. It's, it's incredible. Are there some guys that could come up and fill that spot? Absolutely. Although at this point, I, I wonder if they're just looking at it going, you know what? We've sunk enough of the cost into this, so let's ride this because if you get a if you know you'd only need to get twenty four outs because Kimbrell's going to get the next three, uh, that shortens the game significantly, and and that's the kind of thing come playoff baseball when those games are close and you get a closer like that, that makes a huge difference. And I didn't really even get into it, but I was just thinking. I also wonder with uh, Wrigley Field getting back to one hundred percent capacity, maybe ownership is all of a sudden like, oh, we have profit again, we have money again, let's just spend or. I don't know, dish out these extensions. Uh, it would be kind of kind of like the U Darvish trade back in the offseason and then to where they are now. It'd be kind of like a like a complete flip. But if they were to say, yeah, we can do this now, that would be a good thing, obviously. Yeah, I mean, it'd be huge. And, and they've still said, well, we're still going to lose some money. But at the same time, uh, the the overall financial outlook, I think, is such that, it, that you think, and, you know, because this goes both ways. It's like you, not only do you have the fans, 
But if you can get some guys in there and you can win some games down the stretch and in the playoffs, well, all of a sudden that's that's more T-shirts, more jerseys, more beer, more hot dogs, more every you know. So it, it does winning uh, cures all ills, and and it makes a whole lot more money, especially when you've got a rabid fan base that's really just clamoring for competitive baseball again. So you sang the stretch for the South Bend Cubs the other night, right? How did that kind of come about? It was uh, it's really one of those I've, I've sung a couple times down in Myrtle Beach because um, I've gotten to know those folks really well. And I just reached out. I I'd, I'd got tickets ahead of time, you know, and and, and did not realize they were even going to be at 100 percent already. So got the tickets. We're going to take the family up there. And so I just reached out to uh, to the team and, and it was just like, uh, hey, you know, we're going to be up there. I'd like to get a chance to talk with a couple of guys uh, that I've interviewed Scott Kobos before uh, Max Bain. I wasn't able to get with him because he was starting that that day. They said, "Yeah, absolutely. Come on up uh, if you want to come into the booth, be on the be on the broadcast for the fifth inning. We can have your family sing the seventh inning stretch." I was like, "Cool, okay." So they just asked if we wanted to, and I was like, ah, "I've done it a couple times. I've you know I've made a fool of myself already. I got no pride left. So let's uh, let's do it." And uh, and that was that was a lot of fun. It was really cool. Again, as I mentioned, full full house for the most part, and um, it's a lot of fun. Man, minor league baseball is all about just kind of goofing around. So it was great. Awesome. That's good stuff. This was great stuff. Really cool to pick your brain. Thanks for spending some of your Sunday with me. I don't want to take up any more of your time, but thanks for hopping on. It was good, uh, really good talking with you. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. And uh, I'm, I'm happy to jump on and talk. Uh, as, as people know, I love the sound of my own voice, apparently. So uh, I don't like to listen to it afterwards, but when I'm talking, I really enjoy it. So uh, we'll... We'll see where it goes. But, uh, yeah, thanks for having me on, and uh, and have a great rest of the day. Hopefully, we can celebrate a Cubs sweep later as folks are – maybe you listen to this in the background. But don't, don't you know, don't listen to us over Pat and Ron by any means. But, uh, you know, go Cubs. Exactly. Go Cubs. <laughs> Three, two, one, zero, zero, and liftoff.